0: Good afternoon, you're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dr. Johan. Student activist Ayn Husniza's recent selfies came under attack on social media. Now, one netizen tweeted that while she agreed with Ayn about making schools safer for students, um, she said the way Ayn posed in the picture can be seen as an invitation to write bad things about her, which includes getting sexually harassed. She also said, and I quote, I don't agree with people sexually harassing you but your pics itself, and she just left it at at that. So why do women constantly have to endure this oppressive moral policing, not just from men, but from other women too? Joining me on the show to discuss this is Sivanandi Tanindran. She's the Executive Director of Arrow, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. Welcome to the show, Siva. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you, and great to be with you again in this new year.
0: What are your thoughts on the response to Ayn's picture on social media?
1: Well, I think uh, firstly, let's understand the medium, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's social media and pictures, images play a large role on social media. In fact, like almost like I think 70, or 80% of content out there is about pictures, images, videos, right? Right. And the image is a way of connecting with an audience, right? Mm -hmm. The way in which identity, relationships, status, positions, roles are communicated and navigated in this virtual world uh, is, um, on the one level, it's reflective of the real physical world, right? I mean, if we are friends in real life, we often become friends in Facebook or something like that. I mean, Facebook, my generation, yours, probably Insta, you know, but on the other level, it is also uh, able to offer possibilities of identities to others, right? Mm. So, Uh, In this, you and I as, you know, users of social media, we interact with each other, but we also interact with a lot of maybe troll accounts or fake people, right, Right. Uh, uh, on the Internet. So it gives us a real identity. And at the same time, it gives us this alternate identity that exists, you know, simultaneously. So um, this is why, like, sometimes, you know, that social media accounts is uh, far more than um, uh, the real number of people right? On social media itself. So I think that, you know, uh, the way in which we express ourselves virtually, either as ourselves or either as these like different personalities that manifest uh, are ways in which, um, you know, we have to learn to live with, you know, so you can see that a lot of uh, young people nowadays actually have these, you know, they learn about each other by following them on social media, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, when I saw Ayn's picture on social media, I mean, for me as a mother of a teenager, I saw a teenager, you know, wearing perfectly normal, appropriate attire and taking a selfie, you know. And these were like normal poses that are done not only by, you know, Ayn, but by, you know, hundreds of thousands of teenagers all across the world, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, even some adults kind of do it, but perhaps um, uh, it'll be like what they call cringe
0: right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) some Uh, things are best left to teenagers yes
1: so the selfie also you know is a way of telling your friends or your followers or your audience you know what you're up to today where you are you know uh, what's happening in your life right Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was really quite shocking to see that the response to this uh, selfie was you know disproportionate to the selfie itself Right. Uh, and, you know, so her photo was sexualized to the uh, um, level. I mean, I did read. I mean, I don't I don't ponder too long on social media for my own uh, mental health mm-hmm. and sanity. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I mean, her because there were all these comments, you know, that people were making, I mean, like under the guise of men. I mean, I do not know whether these were real men or, you know, are they just troll accounts? about, you know, her body and her body shape and the shape of her, you know, an outline of whatever they were seeing, right? And that that selfie, you know, was an invitation for harassment and assault. So although some were disguising their comments as like advice to her on appropriate dressing, you know, they're just like, you know, I think there's a lot of misguided commenting, you know, uh, occurring on that uh, particular selfie, you know, uh, one is like you know taking the dressing as an invite or an excuse uh, or to justify sexual assault. You know, it's never okay, right? right? Women and girls have an innate right to wear what they please. You know, and um, men will have to learn to you know lower their gaze and you know purify their minds, um, seal their lips, and keep their hands to themselves. I mean, but that's of course my my uh, opinion on that.
0: And that brings me to the next question, right? Um, you know, can what a woman wears um, be taken as an invitation to sexually harass, sexually assault, or, you know, just be sexualized in, in, in that sense, right? Like, can, can what a woman wear, uh, wears be taken as an invitation?
1: You know, it may come a, a, as a surprise to you, Darshan, but I've actually heard many high-ranking male uh, executives, you know, comment, you know, perhaps as a joke, you know that the way a woman dresses is a uh, is how do i say is defined as sexual harassment to them That's you know ridiculous. so woman, yeah which is really ridic- exactly so now this is i mean usually what is called i think you know a hyperbolic uh, uh, fallacy in logic right mm-hmm. so there's a difference between being verbally and physically harassed and it trivializes the issue of sexual harassment you know so in this thinking also puts the onus on women and girls not to be harassed Right. Right. But as you pointed out, you know, there's a lot of awareness raising that's happened. You know, uh, I mean, there have been so many exhibits like even at the United Nations, even in Malaysia. Right. Which talks about, you know, what are the kind of outfits that sexual assault survivors, you know, were wearing at the time of the attack? Mm -hmm. And these can be from like, you know, short skirts or long dresses or niqabs or children's clothing or even diapers. Right. Right. So uh, definitely, you know, it is not that is at the root cause of sexual assault, you know, but gender and power. And uh, as you said, you know, whether a woman is, or a girl is wearing the niqab or a diaper, they're still being assaulted, you know, simply because of the gender power dynamics which are at play in society, you know. And always, the victim survivor is lower in the power rung in comparison to the perpetrator. You right. Know?
0: So, yeah. And, you know, on that same note, right, When we, even when we look at the porn industry, um, you know, there is an entire category called hijab, which is obviously uh, terrible in and of itself. But the point is, you know, regardless of what women wear, they are always um, sexualized. Now, Siva, then what about a, the way a woman poses? I want to go back to, um, you know, the tweet um, that was tweeted out in, against uh, or in criticism of Ayn. She highlighted, you know, that Ayn was posing in a certain way. Um, And even later when she came on to defend herself um, against, uh, you know, when people were calling her out and saying, you you know, nothing is an invitation for sexual harassment, she came out to defend herself saying that, no, I wasn't talking about the way she was dressing, I was talking about the way she was posing and, and so on and so forth. So you know i'm I'm wondering you know what if what about the way a woman poses? what if a woman makes a sex sex joke? What if a woman flashes you a pretty smile? Can any of these actions be taken as invitations to sexually harass or assault that woman?
1: I think that one of the things that you I mean like we really need to like draw a firm line in the sand about is that you know, nothing is an invitation for assault or violence. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, I mean, the first lesson for everyone which should be taught in school should be do no harm, right? right. So even if others instigate you to violence, you know, refrain from engaging in violence. Isn't this what we teach uh, our kids? Like, for example, you know, if somebody comes and you know, if if in the playground, you know, uh, an older boy would have picked on my son, you know, I mean, what I was telling him is, run away. I mean, like, don't try to fight, correct or not, right? Right. So even if uh, somebody comes and hits you, we tell them to, like, please don't hit back. I mean, don't hit back or run away or escape or go to an adult. This is what we say, right? So so for me, I feel like, you know, uh, assault, harassment, verbal or physical – you know, these are forms of violence, you know, which any civilized group should be eschewing, you know. And, you know, many times even I myself, when I scroll Twitter, you know, I think like, oh, my God. I mean, like, you know, this person's, you know, intelligence may actually be you know even lower than the cucumbers. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but I refrain from spewing profanity on their timeline. Right. right? Even though, you know, the inanity of their comment may provoke me. Right. Or if someone is rude to you, Dashrin, and says, like, oh, Dashrin, you know, you just look like you, you know, stepped out of a garbage can. I mean, do you slap the person because the person provoked you with their rudeness? You don't. You refrain yourself. Right. right? So I feel like the same thing should apply to women. I mean, like regardless of how what she wear, what we wear, what how we pose, uh, what we talk about, uh, whether we spew profanity or whether we flash a pretty smile. I mean, nothing is an invitation to harass or assault.
0: You know? Absolutely. So, Siva, I'm wondering where does this perspective and notion stem from? That you know, if a woman dresses a certain way, speaks a certain way, um, tells certain jokes, do, does certain activities, so on and so forth, then it's an invitation um, for sexual harassment, or it's a, you know, it's, it's an invitation that the woman wants to have sex with you, and, and things like that. Where does this perspective and notion stem from? Because this is an age-old conversation.
1: And and I think that in this, I think there are two uh, key elements to this, right? Mm -hmm. So one is the uh, history of sex itself, and then the other is about violence, right? Right. Uh, And uh, both of them actually uh, are paradigms stemming from the patriarchal society that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. So one is when we look at, you know, the sexualization, right? So women have been perceived as objects, you know, and we can see and hear this everywhere, you know, extensions of men, you know, property of men. So the coverture laws in uh, Europe where, you know, women's rights were, married women's rights were subsumed within the husbands are an example of that, right? Right. But the honor debate is another one of these, right? So women's dressing is a reflection of men's honor of larger groups, you know, or an ethnic group or a religious groups honor. So that's how, like, you know, you will see about, you know, in these stories about honor killing, right? Uh, One village, you know, goes and like kills a man from another village simply because this, uh, You know, this man there to date a girl from their village or something like that. Right. So this is where the group honor also lies in, uh, uh, you know, the behaviors or actions or the dressing of women. But this in reality, this is not true at all. Right. Because a man's honor can come from his own words, his own actions, rather than to be derived from women's honor. Correct? Right. So and then the framing of women as sexual objects also comes from this paradigm, you know, that this woman's sexuality uh belongs to us or to me, you know, uh and hence, you know, um uh, to either a particular man or to a particular group. And it's only for the consumption of that particular person rather than, you know, a woman's right to express your own sexuality. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and that this, then that particular women, you know, exist for the sexual satisfaction of men. So from there, you can say, you know, the thinking, you know, oh the way she dresses is to attract me. Right. Which is right. what, Uh, What, uh, you know, perpetrators say, oh, she, you know, she smiled at me, right? So the way she takes a photo is for my satisfaction. Whereas, you know, actually we women are more and more, we're dressing for ourselves and we're taking that selfie for ourselves, for our own self-expression, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, uh, self-gratification, of course, you know? So whether I wear a sari or a bikini, I do it for myself. And if I take a selfie with that sari or a bikini, I do it for myself, you know? And because that dress is the form of my self-expression, you know, and we do what makes us feel good, makes us feel comfortable, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one aspect of it. The second aspect is that harassment violence part, right? Right. So it's also an expression of the patriarchal society, you know. So um, if you transgress these social mores, hence the way that group behavior or group thing, is to punish you until you obey the rules, right? And that's how like, you know, rape and violence is often threatened to women in order to make them uh, submit, you know, to make them subservient, you know, to the group think that exists, you know? So, uh, and I think that, you know, both of those are, you know, outdated concepts uh, which need to evolve, you know, within our society.
0: On the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanendran, Executive Director of Aero, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. After a break, we discuss internalised patriarchy. Only on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Darshan Johan. and on the show with me today is Siva Nandi Tanendran. She's the Executive Director of Arrow, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. And we're discussing the constant moral policing that women have to deal with, especially when it comes to how they dress, how they pose and, and so on and so forth. So Siva, what's interesting and, and perhaps more than interesting, saddening, is the fact that the person who... You know what prompted this entire discussion that we're having right now um, is a particular tweet, and the person who made that specific comment that we talked about was a woman. Um, of course, most of the negative uh, and toxic comments that followed, whether in this particular series of tweets or you know in just in general, come from men themselves. But there are women as well. There are women who perpetuate these narratives. There are women who think this way as well. Why does this happen?
1: Open. Uh, i think definitely uh there is like you know for example you know uh internalized patriarchy i mean but that's i i guess it's like uh you know <laughs> a jargon right to right. many i mean like so it's ways and patterns of thinking and behaving and acting which we have like uh you know subconsciously kind of uh, replicated in in our own selves, right? Mm -hmm. And which have not been changed by, let's say, education or reading or uh, any of the other kind of influences that we have. Um, And I think both of them, you know, I mean, like one, you know, the perception of women or, you know, stereotyping of women, you know, uh, is part and parcel of that. And also the uh, kind of uh, acceptance of violence, right, against women is also part and parcel of that. Internalized patriarchy, right? right. Uh, but I also wouldn't want to like discount that. You know, social media is like a, it's like a game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. So if Dashan, if you have you know ten thousand followers, and then I say, oh, Dashan, you know, uh, uh, if I call you out, right, mm-hmm. then I kind of ride on your followers. Do you understand? Right, so I right. am able to like get likes or tweets or shares or views. Because I've called you out, you know. Right. So um, uh, and I so I think that there that that there is an element of that also going on, because I send a message to my followers as well as your followers about the type of person I am, you know. So people also start following me not because of me, you know, because who know who do we actually know the real person on social media, right? right. But they they follow me for what I stand against, you know, which is now you, right? right. So. Uh, So I think that there's a fair bit of that often happening in social media uh, in the sense of like trying to get followers and trying to get likes, you know, uh, and shares. And, you know, it's a very uh, toxic way of doing it, I think, you know, so. uh, uh, But anyway, it it happens, you know, so I think it's both uh, elements are at play in this
0: absolutely and and there are numerous um, um, studies and and you know reports that have proven exactly what what you just said right that social media algorithms um, not just promote but also encourage and and reward toxic um, sort of uh, statements extreme statements um these are the kinds of things that they know that the that you know the creators and the, the people behind social media who come up with algorithms they know these are going to create sensationalism they're gonna make sure that uh, these are the things that keep people constantly engaged, you know, it riles you up. And and that these are what the algorithm, these kind of behaviors and, 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 and narratives are the are what social media platforms are actually promoting.
1: No, but yeah, Darshan, yeah. should I mean like we have to also ask ourselves, right. you know, what is the age of Ayn? Ayn is a child. Absolutely. You know? And look at many of the people who are commenting or tweeting or whatever these are adults mm-hmm. right so basically this was a bunch of adults picking on a child so and how is that even justified you know yep. and so sometimes you know in that you know chase for that being popular on social media or having that likes or that retweets are, are we seriously as adults picking on a child to make our statement right mm-hmm. so uh, whereas you know uh, But however, I feel in recent events, you know, adults in Malaysia, we are quite a strange bunch, aren't we? You know, because we justify corporal punishment as a means of making the young return to the correct path. I mean, like, this is about, you know, uh, and many justify, you know, that slapping of an athlete by her coach, right? Uh, That, you know, oh, it's okay for adults to like kind of check in on young uh, children and, you know, um... Do, I mean, do acts of violence on them in their greater good, you know, uh, of that young person. So we as adults, we are not used to checking our privilege and being able to identify our own behaviors as bullying, right? right. And advise, you know, from a position of privilege, right? And we expect some teenager who is not known to us, whom, you know, we may not even have touched her life in any meaningful manner, to change her behavior to suit our tastes. You know, I mean, does this even, like, make sense? I mean, you know, if a strange lady came up to you, Dashrin, uh, on the road, right, and said, hey, young man, you know, I think your pens are too tight and it may give people a wrong idea, what would your response be? You know, I mean, the most polite thing you would say is, like, you know, mind your own business, Right, exactly. There are things about what um, kids are doing on social media. And, I mean, and I think that, you know, Ayn is being tremendously, you know, I mean, I have great admiration for her. I mean, at her age, at, at, when I was her age, I was not even able to articulate some of these concepts, you know, that, uh, that she is articulating, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, that she's going out on social media where, you know, it is an extremely toxic place to be in, uh, you know, and still standing up for what she believes in, right? And then there are all of these people, including many, many adults trying to pull her down instead of lift her up, you know. So I I feel like, you know, that that's one of the things that I feel sad about. And, you know, and why is it being done? You know, it's being done chasing these algorithms as you share, as you said, you know, chasing these likes, you know, chasing these retweets or shares or, you know, finding followers, you know. And um, that's just I mean, that's just not on
0: i'm wondering if the realities on the ground are a little bit better let's say we've been look at it from a malaysian context and what we see on social media that of course things are not perfect um there are a lot of work to be done um from you know from our culture perspective from our education which we'll discuss uh, you know later a little bit later on but You know, when we look at social media, when we see the the kind of barrage of extremism, um, you know, the the kind of, uh, when we look at this issue or, you know, various other issues, do you feel, get the sense that on the ground, away from social media, things are a little bit better? Or would you say that social media is reflecting what's happening on the ground?
1: Yeah, I I think, I mean, uh, I would, uh, while social media is a bubble, but, you know, every... I think every community is in a bubble nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. So I think across uh, 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 communities and across like, you know, medias, you know, this virtual and the real life that we uh, uh, are, uh, how do I say, simultaneously inhabiting, you know, Uh, I feel like uh, there's a lot of discussion and dialogue. I mean, things are in a flux. You know, Mm -hmm. but I feel what happens with this dialogue, whether it's happening on social media, it's also happening on the ground. Right. So there are just as many people talking about it and people are still like divided about it. But I think that uh, uh, it's harder in real life to tell your friend, I think you need to be assaulted because you're dressed like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, So so I think that uh, the extremes that can happen, as you said, you know, uh, is easier because it's anonymous, more anonymous in social media. Right. Uh, uh, Or or there is this like barriers of that, whereas like, you know, whereas in real life, you know, it takes a long time to, I mean, say that to somebody. Uh, But on the other hand, I mean, a lot of the violence, I mean, that's happening on the ground. I mean, you know, I mean, we are having, you know, we have sexual assault that's very high, yeah. unintended teenage pregnancy, because, you know, uh, uh, they're not enough, um, how do I say, access to sexual reproductive health services, or, you know, there are people who deny, you know, young people services, you know, which is also a form of violence, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, of course, during COVID, we know that the, you know, um, incidents of violence rose spite at home, right? So we do know that, violence is happening um, uh, on the ground in real life as well. You know, so I think it's a reflection of that. But I find that, you know, what's great about social media is like, so see, now we are having a traditional media conversation right. of what happened on social media, right? And if it didn't happen, we may not have had this conversation. Right. And you and I are no different from other people who are also, you know, talking either in, you know, they are... Um, in their family groups or in their, you know, office groups or, you know, over breakfast or lunch in a kopitiam, right? So I think that there are a lot of uh, uh, people who are kind of um, having these exchanges that wouldn't have happened. So I feel like, um, you know, I, I always am uh, saying that people who work on social activist issues, we need to be positive minded, you know, right. we need to be optimistic that change is uh, possible, you know, and, um, and I think that, you know, uh, at least what this incident showed us is perhaps how much of um, education and, um, you know, self-restraint you know, that we need to exercise while we're on social media, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is a this is a child behind that account. And we all know that it's a child behind that account. And, um, you know, how do we treat that person is very important.
0: Now, just to switch gears a little bit, Siva, what would you say to people who argue, and I quote, I'm not trying to police women's clothing, I'm not trying to you know, uh, um, tell them, you know, what they should wear or shouldn't wear. But I'm just saying that the world itself is messed up. Men are despicable perverts. So I think women should dress a certain way for their own safety. We hear these kinds of arguments a lot, Siva, either from let's say religious communities or even from parents, aunties, uncles, where perhaps, maybe some of them, their intent is good. Um, But what is wrong with this messaging? Is there anything wrong with this messaging? How would you respond to it?
1: I do know where these people are coming from. I face it all the time as well because I have, you know, a teenage daughter, I have a teenage son, and how they represent themselves on social media, you know, worries me. But that worry is my problem. It's how I navigate that worry, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that uh, um, whilst on the one hand, there are going to be people who look at, uh, you know, uh, women wearing bikinis on the internet and, you know, have uh, very bad ideas about it. I mean, but that's that person's p- problem. It's not uh, that person is going to have that issue, as you said, you know, up uh, one stars or whatever, right? right? I mean, like, so the thing is, uh, who? how do we actually train our minds in order to uh, view women, you know, differently, right? I think that that's where the crux of the deal is. And um, hence, how, why do we not tell these men who are saying, uh, yeah, why don't we tell them, you know, lower your gaze? This is what I feel like, yeah, lower your gaze or look away or think differently or don't look at it. Don't look at these things. You know what I mean? So we don't actually tell men how they can change their behavior. And we almost always tell women and girls how they need to change, how we they need to change their behavior. And why is that? Because that alone should uh, point out to us the gender power disparity, right? Because we think men are too powerful to change, and uh, we don't want to do the work in holding men accountable, and we don't want to do the work of making men change. So we just say, tell girls and women behave better. You know, and it'll be in your service, in which way that the younger generation, that's that's just not OK with them. You know, and that's great because, you know, uh, I feel like that's where, you know, some of those gender power imbalances that have, you know, uh, been a burden on so many women for so many generations, it, you know, can be leveled up because we need to tell men to behave better. And we need to tell society that, you know, women's choices um, need to be respected in every single respect and account.
0: Absolutely. And I think men need to do this as well, right? Um, you know, we need to tell our friends, we need to tell our, our family members, and all of that, that, you know, because we see this all the time, right? Growing up, um, you know, parents, for example, um, people, society at large, they will always tell women what to wear, what not to wear, how to sit, how not to sit. But nobody, when, when you know, their sons are growing up, tells them, you need to be respectful towards women, you need to learn how to keep it in your pants, you know, things like that. It's it's what the women should do, what the women shouldn't do, this and that. And, and, and I think that needs to change. Um, Siva, speaking of change, right... Um You know, uh, there is this whole element of the sexual harassment law and all that came into place. But today I want to focus more on culture rather than laws because um, laws are one thing, it is important, but mindset and culture um, among many Malaysians still has not shifted. And that perhaps is is more important than laws, right? What can we do to change the culture in this country, especially when there seems to be a rise in religious extremism and misogyny, not just in Malaysia, Asia, but on a global level, we're talking about how, you know, the likes of Andrew Tate has millions and millions and millions of followers.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, the world is not like, you know, at any point a static place, right? Right. So, um, you know, there's always uh, going to be a battle between ideologies and beliefs, right? There always has been, there is, and there's always going to continue to be, right? Right. Uh, and it's a struggle in the sense that it's always, you know, the pendulum seems to be swinging from one end to the other, you know, but every time it swings, it helps chart out, what, you know, for me, I feel like what's possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think that maybe one of the things that can make a, a, a difference is actually, you know, uh, Education. Right. Right. Uh, And, you know, comprehensive sexuality education being one of it, because I feel like comprehensive sexuality education talks about us questioning gender roles. Uh, You know, it teaches, you know, uh, boys and girls about consent. I mean, these are lessons we take on with us to the rest of our life. It talks about being able to set boundaries and what are healthy boundaries look like. You know, um, and it also talks about respect and equality of, you know, both of the people in the relationships. Right. So um, and uh, the comprehensive sexuality education is something that has been mandated by UNESCO. There's an international technical guidance on se- comprehensive sexuality education that, you know, uh, governments are supposed to like kind of, uh, you know, put in place, you know, at country level. You know, right. uh, I think that 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 will go a long way you know, in trying to create that mindset change, because, you know, while we may never be able to do away with violence totally, that we can almost always make that shift to, you know, to that arc that is possible, right? Uh, and, um, you know, I go back to that, you know, uh, that, that thing that you had just mentioned, you know, I mean, in domestic violence, you right. know, uh, in Western societies, I mean, it was not only laws that brought it, an and I mean, like, reduce domestic violence in some societies it was actually men telling other men you know Mm -hmm. that it's just not okay you know or if you were a man who hit his wife you know you would not be invited to dinner you know so I think that you know uh, uh, men also standing up and saying that violence is not the way to express yourself or you know um, uh, hold women in check is something that uh, you know Uh, needs to be done by both men and women.
0: And before we wrap this conversation up, Siva, would you have a final message for us?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of this advice given to women and girls are based on uh, the the belief that men can't do better. You know, I think, you know, men can do better and men can be better. So let's expect them to be better.
0: Absolutely. I think there's always this notion that, you know, that's how the world works. We can't do anything. That's just the way it is when when it's absolutely not true. And as a guy, I'm saying like, man, we need to do better and we need to hold our friends and family accountable. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Siva.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Dashran.
0: That was Sivanandi Tanendran. She's the Executive Director of Aero, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind,